Friends, good morning. I hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving. It is my favorite time of year to be your senior pastor. My name is Adam, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I want to say hi to our friends at Westside who are going to experience this message this morning. I, I hope you find the atmosphere uh, homey. I, I do. If you listen real close, you can hear the cackle of the fire. That's very exciting. Uh, and I also want to say uh, hi to those folks who will experience this message on our website or our podcast. We are starting a new sermon series called Chris Myths. We're going to be looking at some of our most beloved songs this time of year and, and digging into the message a little bit uh, of what those songs communicate and how that actually fits with what the Bible tells us about the birth of Jesus. Now, I don't want to brag, but I consider myself somewhat of a Christmas music savant. Right? It's, I just love it. I'm one of those people that does it in like mid-November. I start to turn it on. I got a lot of hate on Facebook, so take that, haters. I'm going to listen to whatever I want, and uh, that's how I like it. Our, our subject this morning is Santa Claus is coming to town, the concept of being naughty or nice. And when I looked in my iTunes library, I found I had 11 versions of that song on my computer. And uh, my favorite version is the Bruce Springsteen version, by the way, if you haven't watched that or seen that heard that. You should check it out. Uh, But this is the line from Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And that's going to be our theme this morning. But let's let's go another couple lines in because it gets a little creepy, doesn't it? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yes, a bearded man watching you at night, giving us bearded men a bad name. I'm not, I'm tired of it. I won't stand for it. Uh, that's a theme around qu- Christmas. You're being watched, so be good. Right? That's what we teach our kids. And I love family traditions as much as anybody else, but we need to be mindful of, of what we teach our children at Christmas time <laughs> because that easily transfers to what they think about God. We need to be careful about making behavior modification the point of Christmas. By behavior modification, I mean follow the rules, get the reward. Make a mistake, suffer the consequences. Now, I get that kids need to learn what's right and wrong. I've got two of my own. I'm for that. But it's easy for us all to transfer this making a list and checking it twice kind of thought into theology and applying that to what we think about God. And so that's the myth that I want to address this morning. Because I wonder if anybody else is like me and kind of has your own naughty and nice list, right? We, we're pretty good at making lists ourselves of who we feel like deserves our, our attention or our care or our invitation and who we'd rather kind of exclude from that, right? We just had Thanksgiving. So I, I really do, I'd love for you to do this kind of, you can close your eyes if you want to, but in, in your mind, picture your Thanksgiving table and who was around it. Now there's certain people around that table that you would have rather avoided these last few days? Are there certain folks that that you're more apt to to include in your life to send a text or a call or to keep up with throughout the year? And are there other folks that because of their behavior you'd rather kind of shy away from them a little bit? Right, as you work through your mental list, let's see how Jesus operated around a table. We're gonna, we're gonna see kind of his approach to people in the book of Mark. We're gonna see whether Jesus was making a list and checking it twice. So our scripture today is from the book of Mark chapter two. 
starting in verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. I love when we get a little, little parenthetical note there. Just so you know, there were lots of folks like this that followed Jesus. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy, don't, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I've been waiting all week uh, to break the scripture down with you all. I love the scripture, I love the Christmas message. So here we go. Verse 13, Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds. In the book of Mark, a lot of Jesus' ministry takes place around the Sea of Galilee or the lake, a cool reminder that Jesus operated in real history. So many people came to hear Jesus teaching that he had to move his physical location. And people that have been to Israel, I'd love to go someday, talk about the natural amphitheater effect. Right, have you ever, if you've been out on a boat at night and someone's been playing some music, you can hear that for, for what it seems like miles. So the crowds were so big, Jesus had to move so more people could hear his message. And he chose that natural kind of amphitheater effect of the sea. And so who came along while he was out there? Verse 14, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now you don't have to go too far into Kansas until you run into what? Or if you go down into Oklahoma on Farty Far, what do you run into? A toll booth, right? Nobody likes paying for toll roads. Uh, and it's a similar deal here. Levi is collect, collecting taxes on any transported goods that kind of come into his territory. So Levi is a Jewish man collecting taxes for Rome. Do you think that put him on people's nice list or the naughty list? That he would work for the enemy. Now we're going to come back to that in a second. But Levi leaves his post and follows Jesus. And that's another sermon for another time. But the story is just getting started. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. I worked with a guy in youth ministry for a long time. His name was Ken Mann. And we used to joke that Ken was friends with Moses. I mean, dude was just ancient and uh, we loved him. And he would tell you that if he was standing here. And he used to say, a disreputable sinner, well, I never heard of such a thing as a reputable sinner. So I always got to give a little shout out to, to my boy, Ken. Uh, this verse always makes me think of him. Um, I heard a preacher say once that people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. That is so good. I wonder if the same could be said about me and you. Are people that, that we would maybe uh, consider on the naughty list drawn to us like people were drawn to Jesus? That was one of the hallmarks of his ministry. Levi has Jesus over for a meal. And we learned very early on, as early as kindergarten, definitely by middle school, 
that who you eat with says something about your social standing, doesn't it? I mean, you could go into any cafeteria in any school in the nation and kind of pick out the social stratification. And so when Jesus shares a meal with this tax collector, that's a really big deal because that would be seen as a sign of approval. That this guy's okay with Levi. That Jesus shares a table with a tax collector. Now we don't know if the hostess asked for outdoor seating or, or what the deal was, but folks soon found out who Jesus was dining with and what they were doing. Verse 16 says, when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And I think the easiest sermon in the world is, is to sit and, and kind of harp on the Pharisees and, and bag on the religious establishment. Uh, but that's not what we're going to do because we need to take a, a moment and understand the dynamics of what's going on in this story. You may sympathize with the Pharisees' reaction more than you first realize. We already discussed Levi being a tax collector. Now, I really would love it if you'd humor me. West Side, same thing. Raise your hand if you like paying taxes. And any, anybody, anybody just can't wait for April 15th? That's three days after Easter this year, by the way. Nobody, right? I don't know anybody who doesn't do anything except try and get their maximum refund. And that's kind of the system we're in. So we're all on the same page. And we can all understand why Levi would not have been popular as the tax man. Now add to that the fact that we don't like paying taxes to our own government that, that make our own rule roads and, and provide for our own schools. How would you like paying taxes to the foreign government occupying your country? How would you like actually funding the Roman occupation? Because that's what Levi was doing. And so, and so I've tried to think of like a modern equivalent. And, and, and I guess the closest thing I could come to would be like, how would you feel if a member of ISIS was at your Thanksgiving table? I mean, that's how radical this would have been in the first century. So, so before we get too, you know, too mean to the Pharisees, we need to think for a moment about the dynamics of what would have been happening in the first century. Levi was actually helping the Romans maintain their occupation of Israel and expand their empire. The Romans, the army of Rome was ruthless in its treatment of the, of, of the people within its empire. They burned villages, they had brutal crimes against women. The Romans, these were the people who invented crucifixion. They were the ones who thought it up. They would line the paths between their, their, their cities with rebels on a cross. People who dared oppose the empire were made an example of. That sounds awful, right? And that was what Levi was, was helping to fund. So it's, it's no exaggeration to, to try and understand the hatred that would have been felt for Levi in the first century the hatred that Jews had for tax collectors. So when we hear the Pharisees say, why does your teacher eat with such scum? That is why. We can be a little more understanding of their reaction. And we can be as shocked as they were when we hear Jesus' response. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. For the Pharisees, being in right standing with God meant doing all the right things. And that's what they didn't understand about Jesus approving of these disreputable sinners. 
The Pharisees were, were uh, kind of list-making people. Do this, don't do this. Eat this, don't eat this. Here's who's in, here's who's out. Here's who's naughty, here's who's nice. But Jesus blows that whole thing up with the Pharisees as he demonstrates his unconditional love by who he eats with, who he welcomes. You know that naughty list you love to hold over people's heads? That's exactly who I came for, Jesus tells them. The Pharisees were the ones, like Santa, always watching, always keeping their lists of who's in and out, who's naughty and nice. And what did verse 16 say? When the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners, the Pharisees show us this kind of Chris myth mentality. A lot of us may conceive of God this way, that God's always watching, that God is making a list and checking it twice, and that you don't want to wind up on the naughty list. But Jesus came to bring us this good news. You don't have to be on the nice list to receive gifts from God. Jesus didn't come for perfect people because those people don't exist. Jesus came for the sick, which last time I checked was all of us. What it comes down to is that nobody's exempt from the naughty list. And this is what the Pharisees couldn't see. That God's good news at Christmas time is that your standing with God does not depend on what you have done for God, but on what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Jesus, who lived a perfect life and showed us the perfect way to God, we have the opportunity to follow him. And so if we're going to wind up on any list, it's not going to be because of what we have or haven't done. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 famously says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can, no one can boast. So this concept is a radical one, that God gives even naughty people good gifts. This is the opposite of everything we learn about the world, right? If, if you want to get a good grade, you got to earn it. You want to wind up on, on this or that musical ensemble or this or that sports team, got to earn your spot. Do you, uh, do you, do you want to get a promotion? Well, you better work harder, better earn it. Do you want to get a scholarship? Better earn it, right? We could go on and on and on. Our world works upon conditional rewards, but that's the opposite of the way God works. And the good news is that your standing with God does not depend on what you have done for God, but on what God has done for you. Just like Jesus called Levi to follow him, he calls each of us to receive his grace and begin our journey following him. So here's the Chris myth, that you are rewarded with a gift based on how you operate. So an exact op opposition or the exact opposite of this is the good news at Christmas time that God offers a gift and lets you respond. Almost 10 years ago, I took a trip to Los Angeles uh, and, and I was, I was uh, with my wife and some, some, some friends from college. And it was my first time on the West Coast. I wanted to see all the sites in Los Angeles. So one of the first places we went was Beverly Hills. And I don't know if you have certain stores, like if you go to a shopping center, there's certain stores that you just don't feel kind of, you just feel out of place, right? So when I go to like um, Express or Banana Republic, I leave feeling, uh, feeling underfunded and overweight. 
right? You just, you just, which is a bad combo. You know, you just feel like you don't belong. And that's how it felt being in Beverly Hills. I mean, we, we were in our, our obvious Midwestern tourist glory. And I'll never forget going into some stores and, and, and the folks that were working there. I mean, not only didn't, didn't speak to us, but it was like they didn't understand that we were humans on this planet sharing the same space. I'll never forget the way they didn't look at me. And that's how the Pharisees saw so many people that were struggling. The Pharisees refused to deal with anyone who wasn't on their nice list. But Christ didn't see Levi the tax collector that way, and he doesn't see you and I that way. Our job as Christians then is to offer that same unconditional grace to the other folks in our life. And now it's tough because it's easy for our list to creep in. James 2.1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? So this message is not only for those who feel like they've done too many bad things for God to accept them. I hope you hear that good news if that's you this morning, that your standing with God doesn't depend on what you've done, but on what Jesus has done for you. But, but I also think this message is for those of us that have been Christians a long time. That Pharisaic instinct can creep up pretty quick, can it? We can make our own list of who's naughty and nice. And friends, that attitude has no place in the church. Our children already get enough of that at school. They don't need to experience that at our youth group. People walk around feeling insecure all the time. The last place folks need to worry about being judged is at a church. Especially at Christmas, the world needs to know the radical, unconditional grace of Jesus. And to follow Jesus means offering that same grace that we have received to others every single day. When Jesus saw Levi, he didn't just see a despised tax collector like the Pharisees did. He saw a potential disciple. So what if we put away our naughty and niceless and chose to see every single person as a child of God that may not have just tapped into their potential good. I served under a senior pastor for 10 years. He was my, is my mentor, Michael McIntyre, and he always said this. The church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Jesus came to us at Christmas believing that you and I are worth redeeming. This Christmas, it's the season for us to look at other people that way too. So let's stop living the myth that we only reward people based on how they operate and start offering people the gift of grace. That's the message of Christmas. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the chance to be together this morning across our different campuses, across our different worship services. We have so much to be thankful for as, as we reflect on that in our culture. And now as we turn our eyes to the birth of your son, Help us to to do more than check off all the things on our to-do list. And as we celebrate your birth with, with our decorations and our music, help us not miss the true meaning of Christmas. That you sent your son to seek and save the lost. That you sent your son, not for the healthy, those who think they are righteous, for the sick. Help us to take that same view 
and to offer the same grace that we receive to others. Amen.